You're listening to episode number 48 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. Every Sunday, only on Sundays, I'll release a new podcast episode exploring topics like mental health, entrepreneurship, creativity, and of course, self-care. This week's episode is an interview with Lauren Toyota. You might recognize her from her TV days as a former Much Music VJ and MTV Canada host. In 2014, she launched Hot for Food as a blog to share her vegan lifestyle. Hot for Food then expanded into a YouTube channel, which now has over 450,000 subscribers and over 32 million channel views. She recently debuted her first cookbook, Vegan Comfort Classics, 101 Recipes to Feed Your Face, which is now available everywhere that books are sold. In this episode, Lauren and I talk about how she transitioned from a TV career to being a YouTuber, her journey with meditation, and how the law of attraction has helped her manifest her life. so much for being on the podcast today. I put on my Insta stories that I was going to interview you and probably like three or four people messaged me and they're like, oh my gosh, I grew up watching Lauren. This is so cool. And I was like, do you guys have any questions for her? And they were like, can you just ask how she is? Like what, like how, how is she am? doing? <laughs> and I was like, really? That's, that's what you want to ask? So the people want to know, how is Lauren Toyota? Wow. How, like, how am I really doing? Um, no, I'm so good. Like, I'm so thankful to be in Calgary. I think that this city is very cool. Every time I come here, I get it from Toronto. <laughs> well, I know people say that, but there's something, maybe it's just not that I don't like Toronto, but I think when you're so familiar with a city, you just get excited by like the new energy that's in a newer city like Calgary. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like Calgary has this like new vibrant energy from young people. I feel like any time I've walked around the street, it's all young people. We, you know, we go into local businesses. They just to see like new, really cool local businesses that are really curated and like they take, they're caring about what they're making. Like, I don't know. I feel like I don't see that as that's happening in Toronto, but maybe I've just seen it all the same stuff so much that to mm-hmm. me, it just doesn't have that new energy. So I like coming here cause I feel like there's this vibrancy. So anyways, I'm thankful to be here and like around that. I like that a lot. Um, and I mean, everything's really good. 2019's off to like a really big start. I feel like I have a lot of projects on the go. I'm doing a retreat in Bali in June that we like so pretty cool. much planned and executed just at the end of 2018 and it's already sold out. So I'm really stoked for this year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to backtrack way so much to <laughs> <laughs> after Degrassi days yeah. and that whole scene because that's how I know you from originally mm-hmm. was I would be watching Claire and Eli and then you'd come on after and now you're here and I'm like, well, the world is so cool. <laughs> and that's also where I think like a lot of my followers know you from because we're all like I have my audience is mostly like that age yeah, group. Yeah. So since leaving that whole TV scene... What happened to get you to where you are now with Hot for Food? Well, at the same time that I was doing after Degrassi, and I guess when you guys were watching me on that channel and that show, I was running Hot for Food. I had an Instagram and a blog. So that had kind of already been built over the last couple of years. From 2012 to 2014, I was sort of building that behind the scenes sort of as like a side thing, like something I was really passionate about but wasn't really being public about with my TV sort Mm -hmm. of side of my personality. 
I didn't really kind of talk about being vegan until I was on MTV News near the end there in 2013, 2014. Um, I actually talked about being vegan in a segment that I produced where I went to some like activist events and like I felt like it was like my coming out of the closet as a vegan on like national television and it like not to make it so dramatic, but it was a big thing for me personally to do because that's what elevated, I guess, just my mission and my passion about the vegan lifestyle and living that way and eating that way and really solidifying what I was doing with Hot For Food. Mm -hmm. Not in secret, but I just wasn't associating like Lauren Toyota from MTV and Much Music with Hot For Food. I just kept them separate. I had built a totally separate audience online of Hot For Foodies and people like following that world. So... That was kind of, it was like they were overlapping. They overlapped for a really good year before I lost my television job in 2014. And even prior to losing my job, I was really feeling the pull from, really the pull from the universe of like, you're moving in a new direction. Like you're over this whole TV entertainment thing. It doesn't feel great as much anymore. It doesn't resonate. Your passions are in this field of like hot for food and vegan food and really affecting people that way. And you're moving that way. And then everything just sort of, forced me to go there. So it was immediately when I lost my job, I knew right away, Hot For Food's now my full-time job. Like, I don't know what that means. I don't know how I'm going to make money, but I do have a blog already. I luckily have a fairly decent platform I've built already. So, you know, it was kind of easier to step into doing it full-time because it wasn't like I was starting totally from scratch. I had spent a few years um, paving the, paving the the path for that anyway. So that's kind of where it started. And then a few, you know, a lot of feedback from people I worked with was like, get onto YouTube. Like that was just their first piece of advice was like, get on YouTube right now. And I was like, I don't know if I want to, like my whole attitude about YouTube was pretty negative. I just thought it was like a bit of a joke and I didn't take it seriously because I came from television. And I didn't understand the platform, you know, but I did understand social media. And so I I think within a very short amount of time, I recognized the opportunity in YouTube. Like I got out of my own way. I was like, okay, stop being stubborn and stop being a snob about like who you are and who you think you are, right? As this television person. And just like be resourceful now, like just be resourceful. What are your resources? And YouTube was a really... Uh, accessible resource at my fingertips and I think in TV I think in producing ways and video so it just it was sort of naturally it took me a few months to like get out of my own way and stop being stubborn but I eventually found my footing by making videos because that's how I communicate like that's my natural ability so I started making YouTube videos not till the end of 2014 and uh, that's really when it all just started taking off so five years five years on YouTube? god yeah yeah so yeah consistently posting since 2015 so about four and a half years now. This is, yeah, this is Whoa. my fifth year. Whoa. Yeah. That's wild because a lot, I think a lot of my audience and just like a lot of young people mm-hmm. in general are really intrigued by becoming YouTubers, becoming influencers, being bloggers, like going full time on the digital space. Yeah. But because it's so saturated and because there is like a lot of work that you have to put into it. I think people become jaded or they try for like six months and they're like, oh, it's not going anywhere. I'm not making any brand deals or whatever. They give up. Um, So you've been doing it for five years. And before that, you even had a platform and you have a background Mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. So this is just like for context for anybody that wants to get into that space. Like I think having that reminder that sometimes it takes a while to get to where you want to be, but you're still going to that place. Yeah. And all that work. 
I had done before that didn't seem entirely related to what I do now really, mm. really was like learning social media. Now I think it's, I, I can't imagine this is making me sound old, but truthfully I didn't come up in the social media world. So I think that I'm not sure, but sometimes I like to think I gives me a little bit of an advantage because I had to learn it. Mm. I didn't just grow up with it. I didn't just, wasn't just handed it. Right. I had to learn it. I had to wrap my head around it and I had time to experiment with it. And then just by doing it myself, you know, it's hard for me to even explain what it is I've done because all I did was play around on the platforms and see what worked and, and saw what didn't work and, and followed my own kind of trends I was noticing. And it's such a weird puzzle and it's such a weird game that I can see how it's very intimidating to like, be, you know, graduating college or university now or in that age group and saying, well, this is how I have to build my image and reputation and business. And like, it's so integrated into who you are now as a human being on this earth where it really wasn't for most of my life. So I think that gives me a unique perspective. And I think sometimes an advantage to how it all just worked out the way it has up until this point, but I don't want to discourage anybody from like doing those same things. Like I always say, like, if you have a dream or you have a desire or you want to do something, like, stop talking about it and thinking about it. Just do something that mm. that gets you closer to what it is you want to do or who you want to be. Like, you're not going to make, it's not going to be quick to get to that end kind of goal or dream, but, like, you can take these little steps that get you closer and closer. It all amounts to something. And so I've just always had that attitude, like, this dream of wanting to be a much music VJ seemed impossible. And yet I blindly just thought I was going to do it. But how was I going to do it? I don't know. Like I started going and hanging out at Much Music. I started going to the live performances at Much Music. I started like chatting with George Strombo, like when he worked at the radio station. Like the way you guys would come to see me at Much and like talk to me is like what I used to do. And I ended up getting that job because I just wanted to surround myself with those types of people or that environment. And I feel like you can do that now. It's like... Obviously, there are people who probably look up to me as a hot, uh, doing hot for food, and you can. Everyone has the freedom and the creative resources to start doing the same thing if they want. They just have to get out of their own head about it. Like you have to stop thinking about it. And you have to just do something, mm-hmm. do anything that <laughs> do seems something. that just seems slightly related to like where you want to end up. And it doesn't have to be perfect, and it doesn't have to be really well produced, and it doesn't have to be. You know, like people get afraid about posting that first piece of content Mm -hmm. because they think, well, now I'm going to get sort of stuck in this niche or now I'm going to have to do the same thing all the time or what are people going to say and all of that. You got to try to learn how to quiet and just like put it out there because you'll get immediate feedback, which is the most amazing thing about YouTube or any social media is that you get the feedback right away. And it's just an evolving thing. So you have to, you have to like stop thinking about it so permanently. Mm-hmm. It's going to constantly evolve and grow. So like, But it won't unless you start. Yeah, I always forget who said this quote or exactly how it mm-hmm. is, but it was something like, uh, if you wait until it's perfect to launch, you're never going to launch. Exactly. Like, it's never going to happen. It'll never get done anyway. And I think that first step is oftentimes the hardest because you are so built up in your head about wanting to show something really perfect or well done, especially when it's your first time doing something and you've never had feedback before. But I think, like you said, like if you just mm-hmm. put stuff out there, you get the feedback. Mm-hmm. If I look back 
from now to a year ago, the first episodes that I did, or from now to like five years ago, the first Instagram posts I ever did. Oh my gosh. Like I was using the Mayfair filter. Like (laughs) it's just bad. It's bad. And me too. Like if you actually went down and scrolled at the beginning of Hot for Food, which I started in 2012, it's bad. But at the time it was kind of what everyone was doing. But Mm -hmm. you see, now you can see how Instagram's evolved and become more curated. Mm -hmm. But you like, nobody can start at that perfect place. Like you need to do it in order to get better at it in order to get to a place where you're like producing something you're really proud of. Because you don't even really know what you're capable of until you kind of like put the pen to the page, right? Or put mm-hmm. the filter to the photo. <laughs> like you just don't know what you're really capable of and you don't know how it's going to feel like in your gut when you're doing it. And I, I'm i really all about like that like intuition and like gut instinct thing. Like I feel kind of like how everything worked with Hot for Food was really, there really wasn't much overthinking. I think my TV career taught me that lesson that I just sort of relayed to you now. So by the time I was doing Hot for Food, it was very instinctual. A lot of the decisions I was making were instinctual, but that's because I think it's coming from that bigger place. Like the idea of the name Hot for Food, I don't even remember because it seemed so easy. It sort of just landed in my head and then Mm. I called it Hot for Food. And a lot of it's been that way. And so I think for younger people listening, like really trying to tap into that intuition and like what feels right for you. And that's hard when you're on social media all day long looking at Mm -hmm. what everyone else is doing. And my other really big thing I always say is, and try to reiterate is don't pay it, like like pay a little bit attention to what's going on out there, but don't let it, don't let it be the driving force behind any of your decisions. Like still do what resonates for you. Still do what feels good for you. Still create what makes sense for you regardless of what everyone else is doing. because the more you, I think I just always have found the more I pay attention to what's going on on there with, with the phone and all the other accounts that are like mine, it d- drives me further and further away from what my whole thing is. Well, yeah. And then people can get imposter syndrome or just feel yeah. like these underlying, like underlying jealousy or envy, even if you on this, the top, like don't really feel that yeah. way. Like it creeps up. It right? does. And yeah. I remember when I was about to launch self-care Sunday, um, I was following the girl boss podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Sophia, probably a week before I was planning to launch self-care Sunday, Sophia announced that they were launching a new podcast on Sundays called self-service. And it was all about self-care. And in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's it. I'm done. I can't launch a self-care Sunday podcast because Sophia Maruso is launching a podcast yeah. on Sundays about self-care. It's the exact same thing. People are going to think I'm copying them. Like, what am I going to do? So I waited until it was already launched. And then I launched Self-Care Sunday maybe two weeks later. And I didn't even listen to any of the self-service episodes because I was like, I don't want to feel even more imposter syndrome. I don't want to feel influenced by their content. And a year later, their show doesn't even exist anymore. It's like they stopped posting new episodes and I go back and listen and I'm like, I don't know why I was so worried because what I was creating is so vastly different than what they were creating anyways. But you get in that headspace when you see it. And it it has to be and is drastically different because you're you and she's her. Mm -hmm. Like you're not the same person. So that's really smart that you didn't 
you didn't talk yourself out of it. Because when you were describing that whole scenario to me, I was like, no, that's almost more proof that you should launch self-care Sunday. Like the way I view things now is like that would have fueled me to want to do it more. And I think everyone needs to take that. It's like right. if you see, if you start getting into that talk, self-talk, that imposter syndrome, that's like more fuel for the fire for you to actually do it. I almost look at that as like a universal sign of like, no, it's why you should do it. Mm. That means there's space for that. Mm. If, it means people are looking for, looking for that. And like that. if right. I look at yeah. it now, like that idea is just out there for anyone to grab. And you can't stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like just it's created the space by someone else doing it. So you sh- can also do it too. And your offering is entirely unique. It's interesting that you just made that reference of the idea being like up in the space for people to grab Um, because probably a year ago I was listening to Magic Lessons, Mm. the podcast. Have you listened to that? No, but I like that. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I love Elizabeth Gilbert. I didn't know she had that. Okay. It's like the podcast version of her book, kind of, but she um, brings on kind of struggling artists or creatives who are at a block Mm -hmm. and she like talks through the ideas of big magic with them on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I listened to that about a year ago and that's where I first heard that like anything kind of hocus pocusy where there's like ideas floating around and things happen for a reason and all of that. And I've never really been a super spiritual person, never religious, like nothing like that. But in that podcast, I was like, you know what? I really love that idea and that concept of ideas kind of floating around and being there for people to grab. So I started digging deeper and deeper and got into law of attraction. And (laughs) I'm like, I would say very much like dipping my toe very slowly into that whole world. But I know that you are really into all of that and I don't even know how to what do you call that the whole I love Elizabeth Gilbert's book Big Magic because that's what it is it's just big magic it's like something else is going on and I sense it and I have proof my (laughs) own particular anecdotal proof but but yeah it's just that there's just like this other dimension that exists within what's happening right now like even in this room there's like something else at play Right? Like, even what we were talking about before we got on here about how we came to like mm-hmm. find each other and end up in this room doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's like that stuff's happening all the time. And like, you can, you can not be aware of it and go on about your day and think things just happen sporadically and randomly, or you can tap into it and then start kind of being part of that matrix and realizing, like, oh, like I can not, not that you're in control, but you can kind of creatively control a little bit of what's happening mm-hmm. by just being aware of the fact that something else is happening. Which I love. I, <laughs> and I you are when you're like, when you're like, I have never really been a spiritual person. And like, for me, this got much bigger in the last five, six years since I started meditating. But like, mm-hmm. when you say, when you're like, I'm not, I've never really been that much of a spiritual person. It's because like, I've, and I'm really on this right now and we can get into this because I'm, I'm working on a program for the Bali retreat with my friend Natalie. So we're talking about this a lot, but it's like, you're now just like remembering who you actually are. So you're dipping your toe in because you're like, you're coming back to who you are. Like you're coming back home. You are a spiritual being. You are spirit, but you're like in this human realm. So you're now just starting to remember. Oh, and you're going deeper and you're peeling back layers because you're actually just getting closer and closer to the essence of who you are. And so you're on your own path and you're finding it and you're like, now I'm listening to the law of attraction stuff. And like, mm-hmm. it's, all, you're, it's like you're putting together this puzzle of like who you actually are. Mm-hmm. Cause like society and like living in the human realm on this plane, like has forced you to forget. I'm curious about your 
meditation journey and your journey into all of this because when I look back like I don't know three four years ago when I was really struggling with my mental health anything law of attraction or anything um, any rhetoric around Mm. kind of being in control of your own emotions that sort of thing I was very turned off by Mm. it because living with mental illness I was like well I can't control this Mm. like this is an illness and it just made me kind of angry and frustrated at those people who seemed really happy and seemed like very much in control. But now that I'm like recovered, I would say it's very interesting because I have this total flip where I'm becoming one of those people that is like, no, actually like in hindsight, I wish that I could just shake myself and say like, Mm -hmm. no, you can, there are things that you can do. And I know that you know, maybe some of that is like privileged talking and having had access to resources and all of that. But, um, being on this side now, I'm like, Oh, like this is actually such an interesting space to learn more about myself and like proactively, Mm -hmm. um, make sure that I don't fall into that hole again. Mm -hmm. So curious Mm -hmm. about your kind of relationship with mental health and meditation Mm -hmm. and kind of what drove you into all of this mm-hmm. to begin with. Well, and you know though that like you wouldn't have you wouldn't be where you are now if you didn't go through what you did before. So yes, you have to be really yeah. easy and like forgiving and accepting of yourself for the experience you had before because you needed that experience. Mm-hmm. Like it was a value to get to this place. So I have not I think we all do struggle with mental health uh, related issues, right? And it's and it may be like it's interesting you use the word recover. I kind of want to talk about that more, but Yeah, sure. Um so I haven't, I haven't had any, like, really, really... I, I guess I haven't had... I've never, like, gone to a doctor and, 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 you know, been told I was depressed. I don't have bipolar. Or, like, I've never had a diagnosis, right? right. But I have definitely experienced, like, the dark and light contrast of life my entire life. And sometimes I describe, like, there is... I hate to use this term, but I just... It made a lot of sense when, like, Dexter talked about, like, the dark passenger. I'm not a murderer. But, like, the idea that you have a dark passenger, that, like, you have a shadow. I don't know if, like, in any of your self-help stuff you've ever read, but a lot of people talk about the shadow. Mm -hmm. We all have that. We have, like, a darkness and we have a lightness. And, like, one can't exist without the other. And you're always going to... Uh, waver between both and sometimes maybe not as extreme it's like the scale right it's like sometimes you're way on one end and way on the other end and sometimes you're more in the middle I've had to come to a realization that like all of that's okay because I think like in this self-awareness journey or this mindfulness path or this path of spirituality you can become very fixated on fixing yourself Mm -hmm. and like finding what's wrong with you and fixing it. I'm like all about that. Like I feel like the only reason I do this stuff is because there's something I want to fix about myself. And I have, and I'm not, I'm not through with that thinking, but I'm coming to a bigger realization that like, oh yeah, there's nothing to fix. (laughs) I got to fix that thought, that thought of like, there is something to fix. It's just all here. I was given all the gifts I was supposed to have and I have everything I need within me. And I just wanted, and it's just about uncovering and discovering more of that. So I guess this whole thing, like I've always felt something, like even as a kid, I felt like there was something more, there was something else at play, there was something else at work. And I suppose my dark down moment was more when I was a kid, because I was bullied. I would say that was probably my darkest moment, being a teenager, really noticing feelings of depression, and even suicide, like 
never attempting, but like understanding like the actual thoughts that go through your head when you're feeling that way. Mm -hmm. Like that was more when I was younger. I haven't really felt like that as an adult, but I definitely get that. And it's like, you know, someone might say, well, that's just angsty teenager stuff and whatever, regardless of whatever you want to call it. It's like a lot of us can understand that. Right. Um, so that's where I experienced that. But within that experience of being bullied and being isolated, I always, I always say that the being isolated part, like kind of being left alone and feeling like I was alone and feeling like I was different and isolated by society is what caused me to find that hope or find that light. Same as you, you're in your Mm -hmm. darkest place. You wouldn't be here now doing this podcast, having these conversations, like looking at law of attraction information if you hadn't gone to that really dark place. And so it happens at different points throughout everybody's journeys. But I always just kind of go back to when I was a kid and it's what set me on a path to like seeking, seeking more about who I am, seeking more about what all of this means and why I'm here and like finding purpose. So... I spent my adolescence, like, my only resource for that was Oprah. I love Oprah. (laughs) Yeah. Oprah was just, like, my gateway drug to spirituality because she was on TV and I loved television. That's why I wanted to work in television because I just loved watch. I just loved watching TV. I thought I've learned everything I know from watching television, (laughs) including everything I I learned so much from just watching the Oprah Winfrey show. But she was my first, like, reference point for spirituality Um, and, like, talking about, like, the other realm, the what else, that what else is going on, the meaning behind things. So that's always been a really that's always been like a compass for me. It's like mm-hmm. that, like just Oprah. And finally, I didn't really get into actually meditating until five six years ago. I went to a meditation retreat or a mindfulness retreat through a friend of mine. Her aunt ran a small little women's group periodically called Peace by the Water. And that's when I actually sat and was guided in a meditation. And I felt the thing I had always known existed, I was really tapped into it during that meditation and was really made aware, like, okay, this is a real thing. Like, so I got a little bit addicted to that. Like, I got a little bit addicted. That's the only word. I mean, it's just like, oh, oh I feel so good. What is that? Or I, I have access to this other energy. What is that? How can I access that more? And so I have found that meditation just allows me to access that readily and easily throughout the day or at the beginning of the day. And it's been pretty, it's just changed everything because obviously I don't know what would happen had I never done that, but I have to attribute everything that's happened and the momentum in which things have happened quickly for me. Like, in contrast to how I came up through television, everything felt very hard and mm-hmm. there was a hardness to it and there was a struggle to it. And everyone struggles and suffers to some degree. And I still do, obviously I have like my moments, but I would say I have two distinct contrasting journeys, one going into television and one kind of building my business now that have totally different vibrations, I guess I would say. And I attribute that to meditation. I was able to build this hot for food business and this sort of entrepreneurial path in a different, uh, with more ease, because I found this practice of meditation. You stopped me at the word recovered. Yeah. Well, you used the word, like you said, you would now be recovered, but I wonder how come you look at it like that? Because obviously we can dip back into those places at any time. And I'm sure every, you and I and everyone will, because we have to, to progress further. Mm -hmm. So do you, are you hard on yourself about that? Um, 
So that's interesting because I recently had a conversation with another podcast guest a couple weeks ago about that word Mm. specifically, like recovering versus recovered, because for a Mm. long time, and I think it's like very specific to the eating disorder community, um, this idea of, well, now you're sick and now you're better. Um, and I kind of, for a really long time thought that I was just always going to be in this like recovering Mm. stage because like you said, like you can dip back into those places. Sometimes things just happen in life and you don't, it brings you back to that. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like you said, like sometimes you need to go through certain things like that. But what I realized I was attributing to the word recovering was kind of like always letting myself have this negativity and always like expecting to get worse. Okay. Where when I started saying recovered, it's like that's a part of my past and I am kind of just like making more room for being well. For your health. And not like expecting this negativity to come back. Yeah, that makes so, so much sense. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. kind of wanted to know your perspective on it because, yeah, that would be law of attraction. That would be mm-hmm. you staying in the mindset of health and wellness and 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 that's that's what you... That's your, that's your given right. Like, that is where you're meant to exist in that space. Yeah, yeah. and this is why I find, like, all of... All of this realm of things so interesting because in a lot of ways it kind of contradicts a lot of what I had heard in the mental health community mm-hmm. and like being sick and feeling helpless um, because there is a lot of control mm-hmm. given back to you when you start viewing the world in this way. And that's the big hump because a lot of people don't like being told that they're in control. Right. Because it's easier to say, well, no, it's all happening to me, but right. it's all happening for you. And when you switch, the, when you, the, the switch goes the other way and you start seeing the value in everything you've gone through and what has all happened because of what you've gone through, that the benefit was for you. It was all for you. Like, it's real. And look, I don't, I don't label myself like a... It's hard when you get into the mental health space and I don't claim to like, uh, like this is all just me living my life and sharing my experience. So I don't expect anyone to like take what I'm saying as gospel or like I'm not. Nobody's saying you're a mental health professional by any means. And I get nervous (laughs) about going into that space because like I said, I don't have like an experience that maybe would be labeled like that. So it's like, well, what are you, how do you know? You don't know how dark it can get. You don't know how bad it can get. But at the end of the day, I do know that like, we're, we are all the same. We're made of the same material and energy, and we all have that same capability and strength to to create our lives the way we desire them to be, like the way we want them to be. It's hard to tell someone that they created the worst thing in the world that's happening to them. Mm-hmm. I don't think I want to get too far into that. There's a lot of stuff you can listen to and read, though, yeah. about that. Um, and I, I can only share my personal experiences, and you can only share your personal mm-hmm. experience. But I think with your background... Uh, and coming from working in the mental health space, what you're doing is really important to share your experiences and the fact that you see both, you've seen both sides you're, and you're, yeah. you're seeing both sides. You're seeing the difference in yeah. the vibration. Like I actually talk about going to, so I went to therapy for uh, over a year after my, uh, during my, the end of my relationship and during the breakup and afterward. 
I stopped going at some point because I had a little bit of a light bulb moment that was like, hang on, you believe in the law of attraction. (laughs) So what are you doing? Why are you going into a room for an hour a week complaining and talking about all the stuff you don't like about what's going on in your life and how it's this other person's fault or whatever and there are things they're doing. I was like, whoa, like you are just, you're, you're being hypocrite basically. And I I could start to see how like I really was creating the suffering. Mm, Anyways, it's been great since I stopped going. That's so interesting. Yeah. I personally never found therapy very helpful for me. And this was way before I thought or knew anything about law of attraction. It was just something that I never really jived with. And thinking back, I'm like, oh, maybe it's because like you just said, I was just like exuding all of this negative energy. Like, you're know. creating a vibration, yeah. But look, it's it's it is um, purposeful. It, it served a purpose. I don't mm-hmm. regret going. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have seen that difference if I didn't go. Mm-hmm. It served a purpose at the time because you know if you're in an emotional state where you have no clarity, then going to therapy or a certain type of therapist for whatever you're you're dealing with is good because you have no clarity. You're in the muck. You need somewhere to put that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But I think. It's different for everybody, but for me, once I got out of the muck a little bit, what I, once I started having more clarity, I could clearly see that what I was doing wasn't serving me. So it was my responsibility to change it. Yeah, and that's a huge piece of just self-awareness yeah. in general. Like, I think that's that can almost be a separate issue yeah. is that self-awareness piece and knowing yourself enough to know if something that you're doing mm-hmm. is helpful or hurtful mm-hmm. or... You know, um, and sometimes we overcomplicate it. Sometimes it's really as easy as, well, how do you feel? Mm. If you feel shittier leaving therapy, then (laughs) like what, then don't, (laughs) then that's not good. Yeah. You're supposed to feel, you're supposed to feel well and healthy and good and joyful. Not all of the time, but like, (laughs) why do we, we, we really get told though that we're like meant to struggle and suffer in order to get something positive. And Mm. actually I've had to reprogram that a lot for myself Mm. that I have to struggle to get the reward. Mm. We're, we're conditioned to think that we are, and it's not true, especially in the entrepreneurship space, Mm. Mm -hmm. um, building a business there. I mean, and a lot of it is true. Like building a business can be very hard financially, emotionally. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like you said, like you can kind of rewrite that narrative and even with your own experience you've had like two very different experiences building your Mm -hmm. tv career and now building your own business and if I had never found the material I found and found my way with meditation you know I'd be going I'd be repeating the same that same story again or I could have told myself the same story oh it was so hard getting into television everything's everything's hard like, you, I mean, there's so many ways you can say that mm-hmm. and we all say it. And mm-hmm. if you just keep saying it, you're really just informing all of, you're just informing you're the way it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like why you're not, you're justifying not succeeding because you're saying it's too hard to succeed. I'm not going to succeed. So then you don't succeed. Yeah. You have to be really aware of your thoughts. And that's just what I try to be aware of every day is like what's going on in my head. I'm not, I'm not like perfect at this either, mm-hmm. but. That nobody is, but like, it's just something I'm, it's just a part of my life now Mm. to be conscious of that and aware of that and to think about what is happening and how I played a role in whatever manifested. Mm -hmm. 
We only have a couple more minutes, um, but I want to talk about the book quickly Mm -hmm. because you're doing a signing here in Calgary tonight, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, tonight. And this is also like another weird universe thing is (laughs) I just went to get a skin consultation done this week and had like all of these treatments done on my skin. And basically the aesthetician told me that my skin problems aren't really skin problems because I do all the right things for my skin. It's actually dairy that's causing all of my skin issues for the past 10 years, which is like, oh, wow, this would have been really (laughs) nice to know 10 years ago when I was like so ashamed of my acne. But all of that to say, I'm like being so conscious now of what I'm going to be putting into my body. And I have tried to be a vegetarian. I don't have a lot of dairy, but going into this vegan space is something that I consciously want to try harder at, Mm. which is perfect because that's what your whole book and spiel is about. Yeah. So tell me about that. Um, well, yeah, I've heard a lot. I haven't had, I haven't had too many skin issues, but going vegan has made my skin clearer. Mm. I know a lot of people who have the same thing that have struggled with trying to figure out how to fix it. And it was always the dairy. They stopped eating dairy and it went away. So, wow. and uh, in so many things that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it's hidden everywhere. And especially when you go vegetarian, you rely heavily on dairy. Yeah. Or I did when I was vegetarian. I ate mm-hmm. a lot of cheese and yogurt and stuff like that, cottage cheese and everything. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think you have to be easy on yourself about the changes you're making. you got to do it at your own pace and you can't feel the pressure to like have to be 100% perfect overnight because it's not realistic. Mm-hmm. And there's just sort of certain things that will, might take a little bit of time. It won't take very long. It might take a couple of weeks, two to three weeks to sort of clear out of your system. Like the thing with dairy is it's very addictive at a level that you're not even aware of. And so you got to clean that out. You got to mm-hmm. just stop eating it in order to not crave it anymore. But then you also have to be mindful of where you're eating and what you're grabbing to go and, and that because there's a lot of hidden dairy. So, um, I don't know. Like my main thing is like, if you look at my book, there's a lot of sauces and a lot of those sauces are cream, traditionally cream based. So you can like, start learning how to recreate the the substitutes with vegan ingredients and then just having those ready in the fridge so that when you do feel like you just need to grab something or pour something mm. on vegetables or salad, it's like you had that ready to go and you made it yourself and you know what's in it. But yeah, just ha- you have to take it in steps. Like I transitioned into a vegan diet. I didn't like overhaul and then the next day started. Did you start vegetarian and then... I didn't actually because I had f- I was vegetarian as a teenager until about college. Then I went back to eating meat and I always flip-flop between vegetarian and omnivore. But in my breaking point of being like, I got to go vegan, I feel awful, I was an omnivore eating anything and everything. And then I had to eliminate everything one at a time again, Mm -hmm. Uh, which I did over the course of like, I can't even really remember, but maybe about two to three months. Um, And once you do it, you you just like feel the the very slight difference in your physical well-being. Like you just start feeling a difference when you eat something filled with animal products versus when you don't. I'd always felt that my whole life, but I chose to ignore it because I wanted to indulge or I wanted to try things or I wanted to have these certain experiences or not be a nuisance to people at the dinner table. But it really wasn't making me feel great at all. And you just start feeling like this... It's just like you start feeling the veil lift. You start feeling better in your body. So then you start feeling better in your mind. And then you notice that your emotions are very closely linked to all of that. Mm. Because if you have a slight discomfort physically, your emotions are going to follow and be like disgruntled or frustrated, right? And so I just started noticing the relation between all of that, what I was putting in my body and how it was manifesting 
outwardly. So it's just, it's just changed my life. I don't think I would have found all these other spiritual practices had I not gone vegan either. I really think it was like the catalyst to that momentum and this all kind of snowballing into where I'm at now, noticing that all of this is related. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, naturally. (laughs) I think mostly because I love eating out and Mm -hmm. Calgary is like, getting all these cool new restaurants. Thankfully, one new vegan place is opening up. I think there's only like one vegan restaurant in Calgary, but No, you have a lot of really? vegan. Oh my god. We'll have to give I've you a list. Like one. I have a list going. <laughs> no, no. I think put it out on your social because, media and if anyone's listening to this who yeah. follows me, go mm-hmm. tell Kaylee where to eat in Calgary cuz you have a lot of cool stuff here. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh. I, maybe because like every time I ask, like, all my friends are not vegan, they don't, right? Yeah. So anybody that doesn't know is not going to know. And yeah. then being in Calgary, it's like Alberta beef. Like, everybody loves to eat meat. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's. Well, you're better. calling this into your life now, so I think you're going to start to see... More of it. Of more course. of it. And yeah, people are going to come to you and talk to you on social yeah. media. You're going to start You're going to start noticing it when you go places. Like, even just... We went to this coffee shop that you hadn't even heard about, and they mm-hmm. had a ton of vegan dessert options. So if you like, if you like treats, like, this place had, like, half the stuff on the, on the counter was vegan full of sugar who cares but (laughs) like but like with made with cashews and uh, all kinds of stuff like that yeah of course now that I'm looking for it I'm just gonna see it everywhere but that's a good thing it's very good I'm excited for you keep me posted on what happens and I'm really curious it how long it may take to actually clear up your skin I'm doing like content around my skin journey because it truly has been like 10 years of my life that it's just been the same and a and lot I of people knew. will relate. Oh, there will be a lot of people that... Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. But, yeah, like I said, a little bit nervous. <laughs> and it could be part of... I, I don't know if you think about this, but it could be also just part of, like, where you're evolving to. Like, mm-hmm. this could just be clearing out of, like, a lot of old stuff. Oh, I've never thought I of think that. I think. A little did, bit. Um, I have thought about it being, like, related to stress in yeah. the past because I used to be very like emotionally unwell Mm. and I thought maybe that was coming out Mm. in my skin um but the past like few months I've been doing really well and my skin has definitely gotten a little bit better like Mm. noticeably better Mm -hmm. without the stress which is interesting but also still there so I'm like okay there's multiple things there's multiple pieces to this that are reflecting on my being whether that's stress, dairy, not sleeping enough, like whatever mm-hmm. those things are. So it's just like becoming a journey of figuring out mm-hmm. all those things. And this is the next step. Yeah. And you're figuring it out. You're on your way. I'm like the, it's like, it's like <laughs> the difference is like, I always look at it like it's like right there. You know, mm-hmm. you're really close. You don't yeah. realize it at the what time. What did you when say in, there was a line in the uh, podcast episode I was just listening to, the Manifest This episode. And it was about, like, getting ready to get ready to get ready. Like, what was that? Is that... Well, it's like, I that the, I guess the way I said it during that podcast was because I listened to Abraham Hicks, and she says, you're getting ready to be ready to be ready. Because mm. you're always in the process of becoming more. Mm. You're always in the process of becoming more. You're not becoming less. You're not going backwards. You're evolving. And there's, like, a version of you. There's, like, the version of Kaylee that has no uh, problematic skin. And she's right there. Like she's right there beside you and you're just getting ready to be ready to be ready. You're just like, you're always, the physical you is just always a little bit behind the vibrational you and you're just doing all the right things to 
get, you're getting closer and closer to that manifestation. And the thing is, is like you control the pace at which that happens. Hmm. You can take a really long time and struggle forever and always feel like you're never going to get there. Or you can actually, again, like your perspective shift mm-hmm. allows you, the, allows the momentum to be quicker and quicker to be, make yourself more aligned to that version of you and you'll get there faster. I think that's a great note to end on. Yeah. Thank you. This is, I love this podcast. Thank you. You just heard from Lauren Toyota of Hot for Food. You can find her on YouTube at Hot for Food or Lauren in Real Life. And the blog is hotforfoodblog.com. And of course, you can find her on Instagram at Lauren Toyota and at Hot for Food. While you're there, make sure you're following at Self Care Sunday and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes go live. Hope you're all having a wonderful day and happy self-care Sunday, everyone. 